0: Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times da-da, with instant analysis of the 2021 WWE Royal Rumble it's called royal rumble as vince mcmahon would say we are here minutes after the big show went off the air to break down everything from one of wwe's biggest pay-per-views of the year and its first pay-per-view of 2021 we are not going to waste a lot of time getting into it on this episode some very quick reminders for you. number one Follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. Number two, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us five-star ratings, reviews. Let us know how much you love the show. Word of mouth, pass it along. Our Royal Rumble Ultimate Preview is one of our most listened to episodes of all time. And I'm hoping this instant analysis is the exact same. So once you finish listening or while you're listening, send it to a friend, make sure they're listening to us. Break down one of WWE's biggest pay-per-views of the year. Number three, while the Royal Rumble is fantastic, we also have two other episodes of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast in the bank waiting for you. The first, a one-on-one interview between the Silver King and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, that you absolutely need to hear, plus our full breakdown of AEW Dynamite and NXT from last week. It seems like you guys were so excited for the Royal Rumble, those may have gotten looked over a little bit. Don't forget to go back and listen to both of those episodes before basically Wednesday shows. They'll last you all the way until Wednesday. But that's enough of all that. We're here to talk about the Royal Rumble. The way we do it is I welcome in my co host. Chris Vanini, vintage Chris Vanini, who you can follow on Twitter, at Chris Vanini. And we also happen to crack open a cold one. I almost fall started there like Paul Heyman with a pair of handcuffs. The Silver King is drinking Morning Glow from Swamp Head Brewery in Gainesville, Florida, home of the Florida Gators. Chris, what are you drinking tonight?
1: I've got a Dallas Blonde from Deep Ellum. Brewing Company in Dallas, Texas, home of uh, the next WrestleMania. The SMU Mustangs? Are they from
0: Are they Dallas? Yes, SMU is Dallas. The rich part of Dallas, but it's Dallas. Okay, well, that's not much of a surprise considering that university. This is also actually a blonde, but it is coffee and vanilla flavored. uh, A very good brewery in Gainesville. Anyone who ever makes their way up there should definitely try it. But this is a damn good beer seasonal, and I'm very excited to drink it. I'm more excited, though to talk about the Royal Rumble. And that is really why we're here. Let's not waste any more time. We got plenty to talk about, not just from the Royal Rumble, but the go-home show of SmackDown as well, which we're going to talk about weaving in and out throughout these matches. But it's time. WWE Royal Rumble Instant Analysis. And Chris, the way we always start these instant analysis is with our pre-show poll. So I sent out on Twitter a poll asking people, basically, what kind of quality pay-per-view were you expecting On Sunday night, we saw 37% come back with an A, 50% come back with a B. That's 87% expecting an A or a B, which is exceptionally high for any pay per view, let alone a WWE pay per view. 12% C, 1% D or F. I was a B going in. You know, the card is strong. I didn't necessarily expect major fireworks. I did think WWE would go on and pick the right winners and book it correctly. But I didn't expect an A show like we have gotten on some recent pay-per-views. What was your pre-show expectation?
1: My pre-show expectation was an A because okay. it's the Rumble. So expectations are always going to be as high as it can be, even if they often let us down in the Rumble. But I still have to go with an A. And, uh, and, and I think that make,
0: makes sense going in. Now, when we do these instant analysis podcasts, it's the opposite of our ultimate previews. The ultimate previews, we kind of work up to the main event. Here, we start with the biggest matches on the card and work our way down as we see fit. And there is no bigger match and no disrespect to the Women's Royal Rumble, which is a strong event. But there's no bigger match at the Royal Rumble than the Men's Royal Rumble. So I would love to dive right into the match itself But unfortunately, so much happened on SmackDown, and we do tape our Ultimate uh, Previews on Tuesday of pay-per-view week. It's just so tough with SmackDown being on Friday. There there are a couple things I wanted to go over before we get into the Rumble itself. So on SmackDown, they basically got, I don't know, 10 of the guys who ended up being in the Royal Rumble match in a long, convoluted storyline. It started with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles going off one-on-one, and they were wrestling really well. All of a sudden, you end up with a nine-man tag team match with Big E, Brian Nakamura, Otis against Styles, Zane, Cesaro, Miz, and Morrison. And there was a lot of good wrestling and fun stuff throughout the entire thing. At the end of it, Sheamus runs down, tags himself in, uh, wins the match. And then you have Braun Strowman out of nowhere basically running to end the show and take all these guys out. Uh, you know, we did get some good stuff from Nakamura on social media. You know, promo wise, but Chris, the way I look at this is, I didn't mind the finish of SmackDown. It was classic Attitude Era Bruce Prichard style Royal Rumble go home show craziness. I saw people complaining about it. I didn't personally mind that much. But yeah. What oh. I what I well, so no. okay, but what I didn't really like. Is that they bring in Strowman at the end, who hasn't been on TV right. in a long time, and now we're entering the Rumble with like 20 of the 30 participants already known?
1: Yeah, I I, I didn't get that at all. Like imagine, we hadn't seen Braun since what the Swamp
0: match, I think. And and um no he no he was on Raw and did Raw Underground. and he, okay, and he was there right. for a while. But it is I think, a, I think he swamp. went away and. I think he went away and either may have had surgery or or something happened with whatever Braun. he did, Where he whatever he did, he got in great shape. He looked great. yeah, he legitimately yeah. could he legitimately could not be there. But yeah. but that's how you bring him back again after Monday just randomly announcing Edge is gonna be back. Like Yeah, and especially after as we find out Braun
1: was number 30, like imagine not knowing who it was. And then Braun comes in surprised. Oh, it's back. We haven't seen him for a while. Why, why, why do you give that away at the very
0: end of a go home SmackDown? It just, it makes no sense to me. Like, and then, heck- cause you're getting, you're getting swerved in the Royal Rumble match where Braun comes out number 30. I know we're jumping ahead. We'll get to it in a yeah. moment, but you're like, oh my God, they're going to have Braun win. And they swerve you, right? Cause he doesn't win. So that you want that reaction from people, I you're not trying to sell pay-per-views. I know you want people to subscribe to the network, but just telling us like Edge and Braun are both going to be in this match, it gave away two of the bigger surprises of the entire night. Yep. Yep. Totally. That's the whole point of the rumble, especially when
1: one when you know there's not going to be a lot of surprises because of the situation. Don't like tell
0: us as few as possible, especially guys who haven't been around for a few months. Yeah, I just hate like if you want to announce 15 people, 12 to 15 people, that's fine. You have qualification matches and things like that. But going so far as to announce 20 or 21 people, it, it just, it dampers it for me. It, it, I, the, the thing that I like about the Royal Rumble, it, and just, it's what the match is. It's the countdown. You wait to hear the music and then you pop when it's someone you didn't expect. And that aspect of tonight's Rumble, I thought was a large failure. The, the Rumble match was good. That aspect, the thing that excites me about the Royal Rumble itself. They lost a lot of that because of some of the decisions that they made. But let's move on and talk about the Royal Rumble itself. Before the match, you had Biggie and Xavier Woods together backstage in matching Brody Lee gear. It was great to see them stick to keeping New Day together despite being on opposite brands. Uh, Zayn did some more complaining, Sami Zayn. And then Kofi Kingston showed up in matching gear despite not being medically cleared. They all clowned Zayn, Miz, and Morrison, tried to get Bad Bunny to do business with them, insulted Booker T. And then got scared off when Booker T showed up behind them. I just thought it was, you know, some nice interluding type of things to kind of tease the main event without getting into the main event.
1: Yeah, and I just, I, I really love the the Brody Lee Bludgeon brother kind of uh, pants and, and, and gear they all had on. That was really cool, and it was cool that that uh, WWE let them do that and, and show it off because I know, I know Big E is really, really close with with Negative One, Brody Brody Jr., his son. Um him and Cody Rhodes are both really close. So that was really
0: cool that WWE let him do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how much choice they had in the matter. Sure. But I, I just it's cool cool that yeah. it happened. Very cool that the did. fact that New Day went so far as to do that for such a big pay-per-view, I thought was really touching. Yeah. But let's get to the Royal Rumble match itself. Enough talking about other things. So Edge and Randy Orton entered at one and two. It was a smart booking. And again, when we're talking about WWE giving stuff away, they announced this on WWE Backstage Saturday night. Now, I didn't mind them so much announcing one and two in general, but now you understand why they announced Edge ahead of time, because if they were just going to say it on Backstage, you might as well have Edge show up on Raw. So I, I personally, if it was me, book them three and four, and then don't give Edge away. And you get a similar effect to the entire thing. But they gave away one and two ahead of time Edge attacked Orton during his entrance. Zayn was number three, so he gets to complain now about WWE screwing him. Mustafa Ali was next. He rapidly went after Edge. Uh, Orton hit three straight RKOs, and then Edge speared him, rolled outside, hit a DDT on the announce table, and beat Orton with a chair until the referees separated them. So Orton limped to the back, and they checked in on him through like the camera, through video, getting his leg checked out, which I thought was nice Because there's so many times in WWE where they've run this angle of a guy gets eliminated or rolls under the ring or whatever the case, not eliminated, but knocked out of a battle royal or a royal rumble. And they want you to forget about them. They didn't so much do that with Orton here. They kind of reminded you, this guy is still in the match. And I thought that was a really nice
1: touch. Well, I was going to say, was there any point when you thought that injury was legit? No, zero. I, I, I did at the beginning. Because I, I, the way because because the table didn't break and they show the angles of Orton coming down on his elbow and his and his looked like his right knee. I thought, oh, maybe he is hurt. because then they would show Randy for like a quick second and he'd be mad. And when the doctors were with him, he'd be like pound the the barricade or something like that. But it was like a quick second. I was like, oh, maybe he, he is hurt and they're not sure how to handle it. And I, I thought that. But then when they kept going back to him and you saw him. Starting to walk back, then I was like, oh, okay, N- now I know where this is going. But they did get me at the beginning. I, I it, You know, you talk about checking in so we know. If they had not checked in and, like, not said anything about Orton's name, or anything like that, I actually think that would have gotten me because I did believe it was – I thought it was, it was a real injury uh, when it happened because the table didn't
0: break. Yeah, and it certainly may have gotten you or gotten fans or whatever. But it's just that they do it so frequently – yeah, but the fact that they treated it differently this time, I thought personally was a positive. So yeah. you have Orton now backstage. Carlito comes in at number eight and looked like a million bucks. He <laughs> must be looking to make this MVP move, where yeah. he comes in for the Royal Rumble, ends up earning a contract. I would not be surprised if that happens. And in the uh,
1: co in the COVID era, please do not spit on anybody who. Uh,
0: yeah, they purposely cool. didn't do that, which I thought was <laughs> which was cool. Uh, New Day came in back-to-back and eliminated Zayn. Then Ali took out Xavier Woods and Biggie took out Ali. Ricochet was in the match, even though he lost to AJ Styles. I thought that was a piece of bad uh, continuity. Uh Wait, which, which part? So Styles beat Ricochet to cost him a spot oh, in the, world oh, world oh, the he's in the match that, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We talked about that. We talked about that for a couple weeks, how they had these like they were setting it up for these people like drew gulak and ricochet to eventually get over on aj and and get in and when daniel bryan and aj started to do their smackdown thing and and aj said i i'm the gatekeeper i was expecting daniel bryan to say hey if i beat you those guys get to be in and then that was going to happen it's obviously not what happened but yeah that that is i guess some uh Mixing continuity that Rick shake, Yeah, and, and
0: of course, no surprise it comes from the raw side of yes. the booking. <laughs> uh so Damien Priest came in, made his debut at number 14. Not to get too out of the rumble. There were rumors that Priest was originally scheduled to come into SmackDown uh alongside Kevin Owens against Reigns and Jay Uso, but apparently reigns and Owens both nixed it because they just didn't think the storyline made any sense. Good on them. It was a good debut for Priest. He eliminated a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Miz was announced. He ruined Bad Bunny's DG- DJ set with <sighs> the Money in the Bank briefcase. Bad Bunny then comes down, distracts Miz and Morrison. Priest eliminates both of them. And then Bad Bunny flies off the top rope to the outside, splashing both of them. Great spot. Absolutely shit all over Snoop Dogg splash from AEW a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Do you, I you thought, thought it was great. And and I got to tell you, I I, got to tell you something that popped into my head. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison at WrestleMania.
1: I mean, hey, anytime, you know, anytime one of these celebrities comes in and gets involved in the wrestling, hey, I'm cool with it. I mean, that means when you can tell they're they're a they're a legit fan. B, they take this stuff seriously. And, And that's that it's a respect for the wrestling fans like the Pat McAfee stuff and everything else they have going on. Um, bad bunny splash was better than stoop dogs, but it was almost disastrous because he slipped off the rope when he jumped. <laughs> I don't know if you caught got that. One of his legs kind of slipped, but he still, he still came off fine and it looked great. Uh, so I was, I didn't quite get him being there and doing the performance, but Hey, it's set. They, they, they told the story throughout the day there because Miz and Morrison wanted to work with him. He didn't miss the thing. He jumps on Miz and Morrison. Cool. Works for me.
0: Yeah, me too. So Daniel Bryan comes in at number 17, which is a good spot for a potential winner. A number right in the middle, really strong. And then they put Kane in at number 18. So there's limited spots that are unannounced in this match. Very few legends. And the best we can do in 2021 is reach down into the depths of parlor for fucking Kane. And then he fucking eliminates Ricochet. <laughs> Team Hell No reunites for a second. And then at least Priest eliminated fucking Kane. Fuck Kane. can, can I tell
1: Kane. you, can I tell you why I think Kane was in this? I, I think it was because Ziegler is getting really close to Kane's record for appearances. I, I think Ziggler's now at 14 and Kane is now at 18 with this one.
0: Yeah. And,
1: it's I, four I, away. I, and I think, well, he was three away until Kane came out and made it four away. I'm wondering if part of the reason they want Kane to come in like that was because they don't want that record to eventually be in the hands of Dolph Ziggler. Maybe that maybe I'm looking Why? like Dolph Ziggler. Too
0: much. Dolph Ziggler uh,
1: that's ridiculous.
0: Kane, that, that, to me,
1: that's completely ridiculous. Kane, Kane. I mean, Kane's a say what you will about the last hey, number of years of his career, but Kane's a, a legend, a hall of famer and Dolph Ziggler
0: just isn't. Uh, Dolph Ziggler will be a WWE hall of famer.
1: I prob- probably probably yeah, absolutely but, but absolutely Kane Kane, Kane Kane is one of those you know shoe ins for the hall of fame I I might be wrong I'm just saying I thought that because my brother had actually texted me earlier in the day that that Ziggler and Kofi were both uh, getting close to Kane I can't
0: they, believe we're still, I, I cannot believe we're still talking I'm just
1: about saying that. I'm I'm calling conspiracy that they don't want Ziggler to have that record that's all you can
0: f- yourself too fuck Kane uh King Corbin immediately eliminated Nakamura, which I thought was really strange, considering the effort in the gauntlet match a couple of weeks ago. Dominic Mysterio eliminates Corbin continuing their storyline. Then you have Hurricane Helms come in at twenty three and immediately gets thrown out. Another really disappointing surprise entrant who I feel is like in this match every single year, so I mean i'd much give me Adam Cole give me some other people who weren't in this match. Uh, where's Andrade? Can we get an Andrade return? Where's Aleister Black? Right? Well, you know, you know who wasn't in this match? I don't know if you're- No, right. we'll, get we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. We'll get to all of that. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, just incredibly, incredibly disappointing. If you're not going to give me legends who I care about, then don't give me shitty legends. This was really bad. But okay. So after that, we got, you know, we did get a nice big meaty men battle. <laughs> big meaty men slapping me. With Bobby Lashley and Big E, Christian was number 24. There was a great camera shot of Edge beaten down on the mat, exhausted, smiling when he hears Christian's music, sees him coming to the ring. Christian distracts Lashley. The gang eliminates him. Edge and Christian then hug, which was a really cool moment. Rey Mysterio entered at 26 wearing a sponsored beer mask that Michael Cole put over on commentary. Big E and Mysterio were eliminated by being pulled backwards over the top rope by Omos who is not even in the match. So almost helping AJ Styles is fine. But eliminating people when he's not in the match is truly stupid, right? I, I mean,
1: I think it's dumb that anybody who's not in the match is allowed to eliminate people, but it's certainly happened plenty of times before.
0: It has, but man, to be the sole person doing it, like it'd be no, one yeah. thing if Styles was, pu- was pushing him over and then almost pulled him down. Yeah, no, He just like, did yeah. it and eliminated them on his own.
1: Nope. And, and, and Mace from Retribution tweeted after the show after further analysis we probably should have helped.
0: Yeah because if you're allowed to do that it opens up the doors for anybody being able to do the that. The entire Hurt Business should have been in that match tossing people out. Yep. that's Like it, it was just so bad. So okay. So we're getting to this point in the match and I'm, I'm talking negative but a lot of good things happened in the match. The Edge, the Daniel O'Brien Riddle came in. There was good stuff. But Really, up until like the 29th entrant, I thought it was a subpar Royal Rumble. What I personally think saved it is what happened from 29 on to the rest of the match. So we had Seth Rollins return at 29. Then Strowman comes in at 30. And I just believe personally, a guy like Strowman or a Roman Reigns or a John Cena, getting the number 30 spot is ridiculous. It's giving an advantage to someone who doesn't need an advantage. I just, I never get that. So, almost saves, saves Styles from elimination. So, Strowman threw him off another side of the ring. Then he got speared by Edge and Christian. Bryan went on a run and focused on Riddle. Fans would have really popped huge for all of that Matt wrestling. Rollins cut Brian with a curb stomp and then eliminated him. And, man, I thought that was pretty depressing. There's mm-hmm. nothing to me that's negative about a potential Rollins-Bryan feud that culminates at WrestleMania. But... I mean, you know what we wanted. We talked about it extensively on this podcast. And it could still happen through the Elimination Chamber, Daniel Bryan fighting Roman Reigns. But if that ultimately does not happen, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, and like,
1: based on how it ended... I get the idea of wanting Daniel Bryan to, you know, maybe not be in the final four, so you don't have all your hopes on a certain guy, and then it ends up not being the guy mm-hmm. you want. So it, yep. it's, it's possible that that was the move. We still, have the, it's almost certainly going to be Elimination Chamber. If I feel like it's got to be a SmackDown Elimination Chamber match, that probably determines the Roman. Situation, uh, but, I, but I don't know.
0: There's a lot of people who replied to us who disagree with you. We will get to that when we finish this Royal Rumble breakdown. Uh, Rollins tried to get Strowman to team up but Strowman attacked him instead. From there, the finish was pretty insane. Edge and Christian eliminated Strowman. Rollins took out Christian simultaneously. Edge then avoided a curb stomp and tossed Rollins. Orton comes back in from out of nowhere with an RKO, but Edge recovers, reverses the elimination, the spin around, you've seen it a million times, throws Orton over the top rope to win the Royal Rumble from the number one spot. Edge was incredible after the match. He was looking at the WrestleMania logo, screaming in joy as a ton of fireworks went off. Bryan, obviously, who I wanted to win for all the reasons mentioned, was my number one. Edge, as we got closer, as we talked about it on the Ultimate Preview, was the second best choice. He won this match 11 years to the day of his last Royal Rumble win. The frantic finish had three swerves in 30 seconds. It was exciting and it was fun far different from what we got later in the show with the women. Giving Edge the honor also of winning from that number one spot is pretty cool. The other two are Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit. They never mentioned Chris Benoit doing it. So for years, they've just been saying Shawn. Now they can say Shawn and Edge. But the effort he put in to go that long at age 47, one year after coming back, debuting in that match, and then being injured and being out for six months. Man, it was great. I know there's criticisms. We can talk about them individually after. Overall, I thought it was a winner of a decision to have Edge win the win the Royal Rumble.
1: Yeah, we we've had good rumbles get ruined by the finish, and and, and the finish really weighs it down. The, the, the finish, as much as we like the the excitement, the surprises, it's really the finish that we remember. And this was a great finish. And and like you said, Edge was probably the second best choice that we wanted. We both wanted Danner Brian. I actually picked Brock to win, but considering. If that doesn't count because he's not in the match, Edge was also my number two. So I thought that works. I got to say, like, so so much of these Rumble finishes now are, are are almost like meta in the sense that they know what fans Absolutely. fear to happen, and yep. so they're about to do that and then pull the rug and give you what you want a different way. They did that. They did that uh, a couple times with Roman in, in the past when you thought Roman was going to win and he doesn't, and that's what they did here. We all knew Orton was coming back. You know, we, we had there were a bit rumors earlier in the day that that Orton could be the guy. And right when they right when we think it's going to happen, they turn it on us. Great, great finish. It makes you cheer at the end of the rumble. It's really hard to do stuff like that in, in today's wrestling. And 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 that's how you that's how you lean into it and make, make it work.
0: I agree. Now, I'm not going to hit the DM sound just because I have so many. We got so many tweets throughout the show and after the show. And I appreciate all of you sharing your thoughts. But I'm just going to run through Daniel Greer at Daniel Greer. He said, 47-year-old dude gonna win starting from number one. Yeah, not loving it, to be honest. If he comes in around 15 as a surprise and does the same thing to Orton, I can buy it. Not that. I I think that's a nitpick. Uh, Clearly, they wanted to give Edge a lot of juice. My opinion is, considering he's been out of action for six months of the last 12 months that he's been back wrestling, after, what, 10 years of being sidelined, they wanted to show that he was deserving of winning it, not that he fluked into it. If you have him come in at 17 or 25 or something and he wins the Rumble, you're like, oh, he just happened to win it. But you're earning it from number one. I think when you combine that with what we saw from him of his initial return, plus the promo on Monday night kind of setting this entire thing up, look, if there was a crowd there, they would have gone absolutely crazy for that. I don't have a problem with Edge winning the Royal Rumble. And I got to say, I did not
1: realize until you said that right there, that Edge is 47.
0: He may not be. I may have. No, he
1: is. He is. He is. I looked it up. Okay. He is. I I, I guess I would not. I would not guess that you know you no, compare, no, you compare it looks, that no, yeah. this isn't like goldberg winning the the match or something like that i mean goldberg is
0: 54 it can't much work. work goldberg can't
1: yeah. work yeah, anymore that's not that yeah. much of a difference between them and he, i mean they don't say as we can make the case that hey edge you know there's a decade of wear and tear that he doesn't have because he hasn't wrestled for the last year he's that he doesn't feel like an old old guy so i in terms of his age you're right they needed to build him up it didn't come across to me as as an old guy winning the rumble just a just a veteran, a former star. It
0: did. And look, the other thing people are going to complain about is that WWE went back to a old dude, you know, to main event <laughs> WrestleMania, and they didn't go with putting over a young guy. And I do think there's something to that. You know, uh, we, we talk about it frequently that matches like Money in the Bank and the Royal Rumble should primarily be used to strap a rocket to a younger talent. And when I say younger, I don't mean 20s necessarily or early 30s. I mean someone who either hasn't been main eventing or needs that boost. And you look at what winning matches like this in the past has done for people. And it's done a lot. So did you sacrifice that by not having someone win? Yeah. But if it wasn't Edge and it was Daniel Bryan, Then you're not getting that benefit of putting over a young talent because Daniel Bryan's near the end of his full time career anyway. So you'd really be looking at someone, in my opinion, that should have been and probably would have been in the match, who's Keith Lee. And Keith Lee, you know, conspicuous by his absence is the best way to put it. From my understanding, uh, his girlfriend, I believe, I don't think they're married yet, Mia Yim, contracted COVID nineteen. They obviously live together. My assumption is either he has it, God forbid, or through contact tracing procedures, he was not cleared to appear at the Royal Rumble. Now, even if he was, doesn't mean he was scheduled to win. But that is a guy who you were kind of saying this whole thing. Hey, where's Keith Lee? And another one, by the way, was Jay Uso. And there's rumors that it's similar, a COVID-19 absence. So those were two glaring people who I thought weren't in the in the Rumble. I also thought this was a missed opportunity to bring Andrade back. Would have been a great chance to have him. What about Murphy? Where was he? Where was Apollo Cruz, who's getting a lot of time recently on SmackDown? Those are four names where, and again, two of them, if they weren't there due to COVID, that's completely understandable and totally different. But those are names where I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't need Hurricane Helms. I would have preferred... Chad Gable or Apollo Crews or guys like that who can work. This was a very old Royal Rumble match. When you look at the age of the competitors.
1: Uh, yes. Did I like
0: it? Did I like it? It was a good match. I would probably give it, I don't know. The ending really picked it up a notch, a B minus or a B, I would say. Last year was an A plus. Last year may have been the greatest Royal Rumble match of all time. This was never going to live up to it. I thought it was solid. And of the three or four people who had made sense to win... They picked one of them, and it was a face, and I thought that was a good decision. Yep, and, and, and that's ultimately what you're feeling
1: is coming out of any Royal Rumble, is are you happy with who won? And I, I saw someone, someone tweeted this, said Meltzer. I don't know if this is accurate, but it, they say, said there were only two entrants who were younger in the men's Rumble who were younger than 30, and the average age was like 38. I don't know if it's exactly that much, but if you look at who was in it, it's probably that or pretty close to that. And, and you know AJ Styles is up there in age. Dan O'Brien's thirty nine. Uh Damian Priest is thirty eight. I mean, he's, oh yeah, it's, no, Priest's a debut, but he's a, he's technically an old guy. So, oh yeah, I, th- I think age it's relative. You know, it kind of depends. Like again, Edge doesn't seem like an old old guy, especially since he got rid of the the the, the beard. So it, it was it was a missed opportunity to highlight some more young stars. You think about what they did. Last year, you think about the Keith Lee Brock Lesnar showdown. Exactly. There were a lot, I wrote this in my notes, there were a lot fewer face-offs, you know, that we've really gotten in a lot of rumbles in recent years. You got two guys go face-to-face. We haven't seen them before. You get excited for it. We we had Biggie and and Bobby Lashley was one of those, and that was great. That was big meaty men slapping all kinds of meat. And then another one was was the Kane Daniel Bryan reunion. I know you don't care about Kane, but outside of that, uh, until the end, there were not many.
0: Well, no, you had you had, Daniel, you had Daniel Bryan and Riddle, which was really interesting. Yeah, but you also got Cesaro and um and Sheamus. You got yeah, Education. but I, I, I think mean, Christian got, was good. But I mean, Cesaro. I, I mean, two people who
1: we haven't seen in the ring together, and and we're like, whoa, okay. Biggie versus Bobby well, yeah. I mean, year, I've you- not thought about this. We got. A, I'm just saying we got a lot of that last year, and and in previous Rumbles, and this one, we We just didn't get it. We we didn't have those moments where it feels like, oh, this is an up and comer here, and he's getting a shine in this in this uh, Rumble. I mean, Damian Priest kinda, but but we we just we didn't get as many of those, and that goes back to not
0: having as many young guys, and it, it's very different, complete opposite of what we got in the Women's Rumble. It is. It is the complete opposite. They were two totally different matches. They were both successful for different reasons. But, you know, again, I, I just, to wrap up this Men's Royal Rumble and we'll talk about the rest of the show momentarily, it, I, I don't know the best way to explain it, but this is something that really, I felt transpired across the entire show. A lot of these pay-per-views, the Thunderdome is totally fine, right? Right. Um, Backlash or what the hell was uh, Clash of Champions or any of these shows. It's a normal pay-per-view. It's okay. There is something special about three events in particular. The Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, and SummerSlam where you get those crowd reactions that are just as big and just as important as the shows themselves. This is the first time probably since Money in the Bank or WrestleMania last year where I actively felt the show was diminished because of a lack of a crowd. So I think overall, yes.
1: But a, one aspect of the fake crowd noise that I actually liked was that everybody got cheered for coming in. Nor uh, And it's a little thing, nor but normally we'll have a rumble and in, in, in say King Corbin's music hits and the reaction is a... Uh, so so it, it makes a lot of entrances don't feel as important. This one actually made each entrance with that fake crowd noise feel a little bit more important. And honestly, when they have crowds back, I hope they kind of pump that in moving forward just to make every entrance feel like a bigger deal. But overall, yeah. The, imagine the reaction for the Edge and Christian moment. Imagine the course, reaction exactly. for, a, for a lot of these other things. And we just we didn't get those and nothing you could do. But um, it, it was it
0: was noticeable. Yeah, it, it was noticeable. And it, it to me actively diminished the show even though it's nothing WWE did wrong. But I will say something WWE did do wrong and I'll mention it now so we don't have to talk about it frequently throughout the rest of the show. The camera work and production tonight, yes, was atrocious. Now, you know, we talk about Kevin Dunn and all the cuts and the zooms and the shaky cam and all that. And you know what? Generally, it hasn't been something we talk about on the show and it hasn't been that offensive recently. But in both Royal Rumble matches and frequently throughout this entire show, there were missed spots. Just things that happened that would have otherwise been caught if they had a more steady camera at a longer shot, but they were so close up on something that they missed something else happening on the other end of the ring. This is this was one of the worst produced from a, again, just from a production standpoint, WWE shows or pay-per-views in a long time. It was atrocious.
1: Yep. There were a lot of, you know, they missed Bailey getting eliminated. They missed a number of them, but I will say in a, not a defensive Kevin Dunn, but there were a couple instances where wrestlers got to know when the clock's about to strike zero, like you can't do your spot. You got to wait. Exactly. Yep. So, so that's, it's also on them. I don't know what the audio is in there. I assume they could hear the countdown. Um, but that was, I I will put part of that on them. But yeah, it, it was noticeable. The production was
0: up- it was it was throughout the whole show. And honestly, the show was sloppy too. Yeah, like it was, it was. Almost every match, not every match, but almost every match had a couple botches or something that screwed up. It it was just a constant throughout the entire show. Actually, you know what? I'm saying not, not every match. I think every single match, with the exception of the women's tag team match, which was in the kickoff show, I think every other match had at least two botches in it. And again, you're never going to have a perfect show and people make mistakes. All these people are human, but they were just so noticeable and so consistent. It was not as tight as what you normally expect from a WWE pay-per-view, especially when the caliber of the Royal Rumble.
1: It, it felt like an AEW battle Royal, you know, one of those where they're not quite as there with the production standpoint and they miss some things. It, it
0: felt like that. It was, it was strange. I have to say now I do want to talk about the Women's Royal Rumble because it is equally important. But in order to really get to that match, we almost have to talk about the other women's stuff that happens because it leads into people who are involved in the Women's Royal Rumble. So we're going to hold off on that. We will talk about the Women's Royal Rumble shortly. First, I want to talk about the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns defending against Kevin Owens in a last man standing match. Cool. So on SmackDown, they did a face-to-face via satellite. It was incredible. Oh, uh, Reigns talked a lot of shit about Kevin Owens' grandfathers. They talked about limitations and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Reigns called Owens a disgrace to his family. Owens got incensed, jacked up to a thousand, and basically was standing up and screaming at Roman Reigns. And as he's doing that, Reigns clicked off the screen, which was just incredible. <laughs> that was I great. thought it was absolutely the perfect go home segment for a major match. I wanted to see the match more than I did going in. And I believed after what we saw on the go home Smackdown that Owens had a legitimate chance to win the title. I actually went yep. into this match at the Royal Rumble thinking Owens was going to win, have a very short title reign. Reigns would probably win it back next month at Fastlane or whatever the next pay-per-view is. But more important than all of that, it was absolute fire. Morning Woods is what Xavier calls it.
1: Yeah, I, would, I wasn't going to pick Owens, but man, I thought there was a real chance. And I didn't think that before that promo. Because when he was invoking, you know, Kevin Owens' grandfathers and stuff, it was like, oh, okay, we're getting like real, we're getting real heat in this. Are they really going to go into that and not pull the trigger, uh, so I definitely went in thinking it was possible in that move to pull the remote and turn off the TV. Inc- just, just incredible, incredible
0: stuff. It was really funny. Now on to the Royal Rumble itself. So Owens, the match starts, and look off off the top. You guys know I'm not a fan of last standing, last man standing matches. I'm just gonna put that out there. But Owens hit an immediate pop up power bomb. There were a ton of counts early. They went back to the Thunderdome area and fought all over it. That was a callback to brawls they've had before. Owens then used some strategy and went after Reigns' legs with a chair. Owens threw Reigns into a board and hit a stunner. And Reigns started staggering near the edge. But he came back with a Superman punch and then tossed Owens off the Thunderdome, about 12 feet down, through three tables with equipment. The referee counted really fast, which I thought was strange. Owens gets up at 9.5 and then stumbles his way through the curtains into the training area where there was the practice ring and a ton of open space. I thought this was an incredible decision because it created a totally new visual landscape for the match outside of the Thunderdome. We've seen so much of the Thunderdome, Chris, and you and I have talked on this podcast the last two weeks about using the entire uh, Tropicana field or arena, I forgot what the hell they call it, the really crappy place where the Tampa Bay Rays play. Um, We talked about using it to its full advantage. And they really did that in this match, especially when we're seeing the Thunderdome for such a long time with the Women's Royal Rumble and you're staring at it and you're hearing all that piped in noise and all the lights. Taking a last man standing match away from all of that and making it gritty, but still making it interesting to look at, I thought was very, very smart.
1: Yep, exactly. I mean, I, I'm with you. I am not a fan of Last Man Standing matches, but I think it might be because of the way WWE typically does them and where they do and don't go. This was exactly what it needed to be. You have a whole friggin' baseball stadium. Use it. Use it like the way AEW has used the football stadium that they're in. And as it turns out, the golf carts that are that are lying around. Th- this was. This was a were the last man standing match. And there are not many of those. And, and it's exactly this reason you have. You got to go to different places, not not back into the ring. There was a point where Cole, uh, I'm sorry, where, where KO brought Roman out onto the stage. I think it was before the spear. And Cole says he, he's dragging Roman out uh, back near near the into the Thunderdome where everybody in the Thunderdome can see. And I was like, what? He's talking about. There's nobody yeah. in the Thunderdome. They're not real people. It was, that, just a, it was just a weird comment, but it was like I was. I was like, "Don't come back into the ring. We don't need this at all." There's no fans that you need to do this
0: for. Thankfully, they didn't, and it, it, it was it was well executed. That's even more of a reason why it made sense because yeah. if you, you know if I'm at a pay per view, if I'm a paying customer, and I don't get a finish in the bowl, um, I believe it was last year that Reigns had a match. I forget even who it was with. I think it was the opening match of the Royal Rumble. It finished in the bowl, but it was a false count anywhere or something like that. And someone took a really big spot, like off a dugout, like through a table or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was. You can look it up while I'm talking, but they finished it in the bowl. If you do something backstage and you end a match that way, you're you're cheating people out of their money. But that not being a problem here, I loved that they went over there. And the stuff they did was great. Reigns comes out to, comes out of nowhere. Hits Owens with a golf cart, breaking the front windshield. People were saying, oh, it's a callback to AEW. It's a callback to The Rock and McFoley." Yeah. I mean, this this shit's been happening for 20 years. I mean, so, okay, whatever. But I thought it was great. I thought, I'm pretty sure it was for The Rock because Reigns did it. Uh, Reigns taunted Owens about his grandfather's. Owens went wild again, threw Reigns into the road cases, hit a pop-up powerbomb onto an announce table, and then broke it with a frog splash. Reigns was up at 9.5. Owens puts him on a table, then gets into a forklift, raises the forklift, climbs on top of it with Reigns on that table, and then flies down. It had to have been 15 feet, maybe even a little more, with a senton, boom, right onto Reigns below. It was ridiculous. Reigns got up a split second at 9.5. Uh, he was bloody. They finally get back into the Thunderdome, as you mentioned and Reigns speared Owens through the set, but hurt his elbow. They have Owens basically set to get counted out, but he rolls off the side of the stage just like they did in the Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Mm -hmm. Gargano, last man standing match, although it was a little different, but they kind of called that back anyway, moment later. But then Owens randomly, and we're talking about all the mistakes all night, all the weird stuff that happened. He actually burned his arm on one of the stage lights, like for real. He touched it, didn't realize it was hot. That sucked. Um, so then the match kind of falls apart because up until that point, it's pure fire and it's an A-plus match. You know, nothing's going to go wrong. They, it doesn't matter what, who wins. It's going to be great. Reigns goes and gets handcuffs. But okay, Owens hits him with another stunner and then cuffs Reigns to the absolute bottom of this steel pillar of lights. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, They're going to change the (laughs) title. Owens Owens is going to win. And it's a great piece of booking. Truly Mm -hmm. great piece of booking. The referee counts to 9.5 when Reigns grabs the official by the jersey and slams him headfirst into a light pillar, breaking the count. I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. I thought for that. (laughs) They totally could have. And in retrospect, definitely should have ended ended the match there with Owens winning. But taking the ref out that way was a cool piece of booking. It made complete sense. Unfortunately, this is where the greatness of the match truly ended because Reigns low blows Owens and Heyman runs out with a key to the handcuffs. Everything that happened from that point forward was botched because Heyman was unable to unlock the cuffs due to the position of Reigns' hand the way it was, I guess, locked, what Owens locked it to. It was probably so small that for Heyman to bend over and see it and get the key in there was almost impossible. It seemed like it was three minutes long. Another referee comes out, starts recounting Reigns, assuming that Heyman's going to get the cuffs off, but he doesn't. So the referee counts up to like eight or nine, and then like Reigns gets onto one knee. And they stop the count. They have Michael Cole say, well, I guess that counts. Or maybe it was Corey. I forget who. Of course, it doesn't count. He's down. He should have lost the title. Okay, in every situation, he would lose the title there. Reigns eventually gets uncuffed. Finally, after about two to three minutes, immediately jumps on Owens with a guillotine and wins 10 seconds later. It was a really tough spot for the referee. But historically in WWE, you the, the instruction from Vince McMahon has been you call what actually happens. And we saw that on Raw, where he called a, a referee called a count out for Shayna Baszler and they ended up having to restart the match. We've seen it before. What the referee should have done here is count it to 10 and called a title change with a controversial ending. And then you tackle it on SmackDown. You have another match on SmackDown at the next pay-per-view. You change the title back. I understand why the referee didn't do it. Because it's Roman Reigns, and it's the Royal Rumble, and you can't screw that up. And he, look, referees have an ear pierce. Maybe Vince or Paul or whoever was yelling at him to just stop the count, and that was the decision that was made. But it was such a huge botch. It was a mis- that, that was a mistake. It was a mistake to use a key and not use either fake handcuffs or a bolt cutter, which yeah. guarantees that it comes off. At least have one nearby so that you can use it. I appreciate the effort of, of using real cuffs. But man, this was truly an A plus match that fell all the way to A minus, maybe even B plus, despite incredible work from these guys, because the ending was so bad. And and for them not to call some type of audible and fight a little bit more before going into the guillotine. I mean, it was it was not just the botch that was bad. It was going from the botch to the guillotine finisher immediately. It really took me out of the entire thing.
1: Yeah, no, there's no other way to to put it than what you just said.
0: The
1: the cuff situation, and then, yeah, you can't go right into the guillotine finish because Owens was knocked out for like five minutes from a low blow, apparently. And and, there was a point where Roman got up to both feet, but he wasn't standing necessarily. I, I don't know if that it wasn't within the 10 seconds that they had to stop, but you know it it was a good adjustment at that point but then you were just sitting there wondering is is Owen still out or what's going on it, it's just it's a real shame cuz those guys absolutely killed it f- from beginning to almost the very end and it wasn't even actually really their fault on that um I, you know when 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 Owens goes to the forklift you, you know you talk about the rock i i was getting ready i thought um I thought Owens was gonna pin him with the forklift. Oh, I thought that too. Yeah. Yeah, calling back to other was that halftime heat. Was it the halftime heat finish or something like that? I don't remember which one that was. One of the rock mankind ones. So, you know, they, they do they do the golf cart hit. That was cool because it came out of nowhere. Because we didn't we didn't see Roman coming. It was just boom off the side of your screen. Such a fun match up until that just unfortunate
0: finish, and it's just it's a shame. I think these guys have now had four major matches between them. All four of them have delivered. They're just, they they work incredibly well together. Both top tier performers. It was a great match. I know I'm really being tough on the finish. It kind of deserves it. And I know that it really wasn't anyone's fault either. But man, like if they had just booked the title change, it would have been such a smart way for Reigns to lose. It totally protects him. You have him win it back this Friday or two weeks later. You have a huge SmackDown main event. Or the main event of Elimination Chamber or Fastlane, whichever one's next. They had so many different options. I totally, 100% would have changed the title. Because now, I don't know what Reigns does for the next two months. I really don't, while he awaits his challenger. And we will talk, by the way, about how this all moves forward to WrestleMania once we get through all the matches at the end of this instant analysis. I also want to note, my dog Moose is in the corner of the room right now, snoring his brains out. (laughs) So if that happens to come through through the audio, I'm sorry, but you're not hearing anything. There's not a ghost. It is a large 80-pound dog just snoring with his head stuck up against the wall. It was a longer pay-per-view. He's used to to two-and-a-half-hour shows. This was a bit longer for him. It was indeed longer. So we're going to move over to the women's storyline now. But as I said, in order to talk about the Women's Royal Rumble, we do have to actually talk about things that happened prior to it on the show. So we're going to go all three women's matches in succession. We'll start on the kickoff show where we had the Women's Tag Team Championship on the line, Asuka and Charlotte Flair defending against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. They basically moved this from the main show to the kickoff show to make room for two things. Number one, the Sasha Banks-Carmella match, which we assumed would be on the show, but it had not been announced when we did our Ultimate Preview, even though we talked about it, and the Bad Bunny concert. I'm not sure I can really argue with any of that exactly, but for a match featuring four big names, it was a bit of a surprise for it not to be on the main show. Before the match, it was interesting Asuka and Flair cut a promo backstage in Gorilla, And Flair, after Asuka finished talking, gave like a bit of an evil look, which may have been foreshadowing. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, as far as the match goes, Charlotte and Jax, they both had cool new gear. Asuka hit a code breaker on Jax for two. Charlotte got the hot tag and hit a really cool double natural selection and later a double moonsault outside. Ric Flair's music hit and Charlotte was ready to finish Baszler, but all of a sudden, Lacey Evans comes in. She pulls Charlotte's arms out from underneath her while she's in the figure eight to break the hold. Charlotte then punches Evans, escapes from the Kirifuda clutch as Ric Flair handed Lacey Evans brass knuckles. Evans hit Charlotte with a loaded women's right to break another figure eight, and Jax hit her leg drop for the one, two, three to end the shortest women's tag team title reign so far in the history of the titles. Uh, Chris, I think this went exactly to expectation. I believe, I don't even remember exactly, but I think we talked about Lacey Evans interfering and costing them the titles. It was not a spectacular match. It did get the job done. It really does go to show, though, what we've been talking about for the last month, which was the title change to Asuka and Charlotte in the first place was horrible. It was at the expense of the Raw women's title, it was at the expense of the entire rest of the women's division. As I've been saying, I mostly see this more than anything as a course correction. And look, we're probably going to have Charlotte and Evans getting a big match at an upcoming pay-per-view, maybe even WrestleMania somehow. At least Charlotte is in a non-title feud for once. That's good. The tag team titles are back on a tag team that I actually care to see with them that can get over another face. Ultimately, perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, no, I don't have much more to add other than it was exactly what it needed to be. And it's it's exactly what I think it was, was was a course correction. The only other thing I'll say is that I was watching some old rumbles um, uh, in the days leading up to this. I watched like 98, 99, 2000, 2001, back, 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 to back, back. And it made, I realized, can, can we change the kickoff show names? Can we call that Sunday Night Heat? Can we bring that brand back? Yeah. Yeah, Kick, cool. kickoff show or pre-show is such a lame, boring name. You've got that. You've got that idea of su- call that the pay-per-view pre-show Sunday night heat. We're going to have a match or two or something like that. I love Sunday know. night heat, man. Yeah, it was a great like it was a great way to get you into the pay-per-view on Sunday nights. You know, it, it was a great way to sell it. It was just it was cool. And you don't need it every week. I'm just saying instead of a pay-per-view kickoff show, I feel like bringing back Sunday night heat would would be a, a nice way to make it. feel oh, like should. It's
0: a bigger deal they should 100% do it and they should put it on USA Network. Yeah. Or, or Peacock. Or, or, you know, well, I guess they will be on Peacock in the future, but I, I would put it on, I would simulcast it on USA Network and Peacock uh, when they get their new deal. It makes all the sense in the world to do it. It's Sunday night at six. What else is on television, right? Like on, during football season, sure, you're finishing football, but that ain't, that's not going to be on USA. There's no NFL conflict there. You're 100%, whether they call it Sunday night heat or not, the idea of going back to that I completely agree. With yeah, them. I just
1: don't like the name kickoff show. And then I was watching those. Oh, send Oh, they're, they're referencing something that happened earlier in the show on the. Paper well, it's game.
0: weird. You have a kickoff show with, it, Oscar and Charlotte Flair on it. Yeah, it doesn't. Too. You know, yeah, it doesn't, was, doesn't really seem right. You know, but, especially since that one was the title change too. But it's and just, that was the match, and that was the match that had been announced. Yeah, it's
1: just it's it's, it's, yeah. it's what they think of the women's tag belts, and it kind of just fits what they've been doing with it.
0: Yeah, uh, to to be fair though, as you mentioned a short while ago, the show was very long. So they did need to put something on the kickoff show. They did did need to move a match off the card. So at least it was that one. But we'll we'll move on here with the uh, women. By the way, one other thing to note, three women's matches, three men's matches. That's probably the first time in WWE history that's happened on a card. That's a good point. It might be. I I wouldn't be surprised. And all were, you know, equally good, which was awesome. Uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks defending against Carmella. Over on SmackDown, Sasha was pretty cool backstage Uh, She hugged her real-life good friend, Kalisto. Then Reginald presented her with a wine bottle to be paired with her losing the title. Banks began to, like, seduce Reginald, was getting jealous, Uh, only to ask for a wine recommendation for Carmella when her jaw gets broken. Thought all that was really cool. Uh, Moving over to the Royal Rumble, Carmella used Reginald as a platform for a flying clothesline early in the match. Banks came back with a flying meteora. Reginald caught Banks flying out of the ring later so she ended up taking him down with a hurricanrana and the referee tossed him away from ringside. Carmella landed face first, uh, taking Banks out with a scary tope suicida. There's a reason she doesn't do that that frequently. She needs to do it better. And, um, you know, Banks probably needs to catch her a little bit better. Uh, mela blocked a frog splash with double knees, locked in the cone of silence. Later, she countered a high-risk move with two super kicks and an envelope pin for a near fall. Banks then ca- caught Mela's arm locked her in the bank statement and got the win. It was a pretty sudden finish, somewhat out of nowhere. Banks, I thought, was on her A-game the entire match. Mella was surprisingly a little bit sloppy. Their last match was great. And you know that I have been giving Carmela a ton of credit on this podcast and the other podcast I used to be on for improving a lot over the last year, two years. I did feel like she was off tonight a little bit. This was ultimately entertaining, it's great that Banks got a perfectly clean win and title retention, but I just can't say it was anything particularly notable or memorable as a match.
1: Yeah, no, it it was it was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as good as her TLC match, which was a great match. Um Carmella still this wasn't her best, but she still continues to overall get better and better in the ring. Um don't really know where the story goes from here now. Um it's kind of been played out. Sasha's got enough wins over yeah, I'm hopefully out. it's over. I'm not it sure know, it's was, But, uh, you know, it was, it, it, was, it was good wrestling. You know, it was just good wrestling between two people who are really good at, at what they do. And, and on a Royal Rumble card, when you've got the biggest titles and you've got two Rumbles matches, you know, there are some matches that are just kind of going to be not as memorable. And, and, right. and this is right. one of those.
0: And it was totally worth being on a pay-per-view. It was a pay-per-view yeah. match. Yeah. No question sure. about it. And again, uh, Banks winning clean is great. This should be the end of the feud. Really, they got to give her another challenger. We'll talk about, you know, who that might be for a WrestleMania. But, you know, for now, uh, Carmella, they need to move on at least from that uh, and Sasha Banks. Now we can move to the Women's Royal Rumble. On SmackDown, we got Bianca Belair against Bailey one-on-one. Bailey grabbed Belair's braid and Belair went nuts on her. Later, she hit an elbow drop while, while Belair was bent over. Belair did a cool one-handed cartwheel counter and beat Bailey with the KOD for the biggest win by far of her career. She then cut a great babyface promo about being herself, which really fit in nicely with the WWE Network Chronicles special that they aired on her this week. So if you did not think for any reason that Bianca Belair was the favorite going into the Royal Rumble, which she clearly was and we've been talking about for weeks, they told you very blatantly on SmackDown. Bianca Belair is the favorite. She gets her win back over Bailey. I thought it was a really nice moment on SmackDown.
1: Yeah, I will say, though, that her win made me a lot less confident that she would win the Rumble because typically, you know, you, you the going into, you, you don't have momentum going into a surprise pay-per-view win in general, let alone the Rumble. So the fact that they gave Bianca that moment I thought, oh, th- th- they're giving this to her and she's not going to win the Rumble and I'm going to be all upset about that. But no, they obviously they didn't. And it, just, it really, in hindsight, emphasizes just how much of a rocket they're
0: stepping to her back. It really does. Uh, also before the match on backstage, Natalia beat Tamina for the number 30 spot. I'm not a huge fan of, as we've mentioned, giving away the surprises. In this case, the fact that like the two most veteran active women on the roster got a chance to fight for the last spot. I was okay with it. You know, I was more okay with it than all the other surprises that were ruined across both Royal Rumbles. But let's get into the match itself. While we're bringing back Sunday Night Heat, let's bring back Shotgun Saturday. Oh, I tweeted that recently. Because backstage was on Saturday night, and I was like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's because it's the pandemic right now, and I'm staying home. Normally I'm out on a Saturday night, but I was like, ooh. I'd kind of like a little Shotgun Saturday night action. Yeah, That was great. Uh, but okay, Royal Rumble time, women's Royal Rumble time. So Naomi returned, which was cool. At number two, again, they didn't give it away, so it was exciting to see her. That's what we're talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Naomi returns at number two uh, and starts out with Bailey. Billy Kay was number four, but tried to give out her resume to enter with a partner. She decided not to go into the ring right away. <laughs> NXT Shotzi Blackheart came in with her tank at number five, and Tony Storm at number seven. Jillian Hall returned at number eight and took Billy's offer so they entered the ring together. Then Victoria comes in at number 10. Credit words due. Jillian, Victoria, they both could still go. I was very pleasantly surprised by both of them. Uh, Peyton Royce was number 11, and the Iconics were immediately back together in the ring. Royce hit a widow's peak, and then Victoria hit it right back on her, which was cool. Santana Garrett made her main roster debut at number 12, this despite actually being called up months ago, but never being used. Uh, Belair did a cool spot where she saved herself hanging from the top rope by kicking multiple women away into the ring. There were way too few eliminations early though, Chris. And I felt like the first half of the match completely dragged because I think they got through like 14 women and 13 of them were in the ring.
1: Yeah, it was all, it was a lot of people. And it, I, I noticed that too. I was like, wait, are we supposed to be losing some, some, uh, eliminations here. I will say what got my attention early on and kind of was one of the stories was was Billy Kay. She again takes this this gimmick she's got this nothing and turns it into something interesting. My only complaint was this was perfectly set up for an iconics reunion. Have her wait and wait and wait and then Peyton Royce comes in and they're clearly not doing anything with Peyton Royce. Nothing she did in this Royal Rumble was memorable. And there was your moment to set up the iconics again and she needs a partner and Oh, there was a partner and we can pretend this breakup never happened because it was nonsense the whole time. So that was disappointing that you went in with Jillian Hall and, you know, they they briefly mentioned Iconics. They acknowledged each other with the with the with the pose.
0: but That was about it. And so that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't care that much for it. I liked that like a veteran was kind of helping Billy, a comedy veteran. Just I got to say,
1: I got to say, I do not know who Jillian Hall is. I'm, I just oh, I yeah. must have been checked out for that period. I, I know a lot of the ones I missed. I was just not familiar with her at all.
0: She know. she had a gimmick, long story short, where she sang her entrance. I mean, you heard it, and yeah. she's a terrible She's, like <laughs> most people, not a good yeah. singer, myself included. Uh, but so I like that it was a comedy veteran rub on okay. the youngster and Billy Kay. I like that, and you still got the Iconics moment in the ring. So I was okay with that, but the, the comedy aspect is something I had to slight issue with. Uh, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair were in the middle. They all came out together, and all of them had really hot runs once they entered the ring. Bailey slid under Ruby Wright's legs for a powerbomb off the ring apron for a cool elimination. Tori Wilson was back in at 17. There was a small botch on the ring apron, and Ripley used her sheer strength to fix it and powerbomb Dana Brooke out of the ring for an elimination. It was mightily impressive, the fact that Ripley was able to save that spot. Lacey Evans entered at number 18 wearing Charlotte Flair's robe and doing Rick strut. Uh, he was there also just like for the entrance. Cameras, as you mentioned earlier, and I talked about, missed Air eliminating Bailey live, which was a huge monumental moment in the match. They missed yep. it. They showed it on replay right after, which was a good save. Alicia Fox returned at number 21, and then our truth cut came in They fought off a bunch of 24-7 guys. Fox rolled them up and won the title. Then Alicia Fox gets eliminated. Truth rolls her up for the title. So the match was starting to get hot with Liv and Rhea and Charlotte. Get Evans in there. And it's rolling along and things are going pretty good. And they're just doubling up on the comedy. So we got two-thirds of the way into the match, Chris. And I just thought there was way too much comedy between Billy Kay. And then Alicia Fox and R-Truth and Jillian Hall. It was just like, this is a serious match, ultimately. And to that point, I wasn't that pleased.
1: Yeah. Overall, I see your point. I thought the 24-7 bit was great. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, this is exactly the kind of thing you should use it for. In the middle of a Rumble, get a pin. I didn't like that R-Truth immediately got the belt back, because that always happens. But in the moment, I thought that was kind of cool that Alicia Fox won the belt while in the Royal Rumble. Um Talking about this this beginning in comedy, this goes back to the production. Like you're talking about missing some of the eliminations, but commentary was all over the place as well. Charlotte and, and Rhea Ripley start going at each other, and commentary is talking about Ric Flair because Lacey Evans had had done something. It's like, and they had tried to tell the Charlotte Rhea, you know, one year later story briefly earlier, but they didn't do it. And then this was the moment to do it. This kind of goes back to not having these one on one moments that these rumbles usually have goes back to it just kind of being a sloppy both rumble matches in the production with with it as well. It was a little bit all over the place, and it was hard to figure out what are the stories of this match? And in early on, we were we were not really getting those
0: commentary was horrendous all night. It, It was another part of the show that there were there were times, occasions where there were nice callbacks and they mentioned them and called them out and it was cool. But even when like Seth Rollins made his entrance, the way Michael Cole described it, it's like he knew Rollins was going to be there. Yep. It's supposed to be a surprise. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, commentary was consistently rough the entire show. And again, with production, with camera work, with the botches in the ring, you know, we're nitpicking. Like people are probably listening to the show and saying, why are these guys complaining so much? It was a good show. It was a good show. I kind of want to just pause briefly and and say, Royal Rumble was a good pay-per-view. And we will talk about how good of a pay-per-view it was when we wrap up, or at least I will. But just like when I do the AEW show and I criticize AEW and you guys say, wow, why are you criticizing AEW so much? I do the same thing for WWE. There were a lot of things that happened on this pay-per-view that were, for one reason or another, screwed up. And it doesn't make the show bad, but it's things that WWE actually most of the time Normally doesn't do wrong. Right. But on this particular show, it was just, it was weird. Watching this 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 edition of the Royal Rumble, for me at least, was weird. And, that, and that's just how I feel. But, all right, continuing with this match. Uh, so NXT's Dakota Kai was in at number 23. Naomi was knocked over the ropes by Air, but used Belair's braid to crawl off her back from, from the floor onto the ring apron. Belair was nearly out also. So they ended up both having, I think, their hands on the floor and their feet under the bottom rope into the ring. So they grabbed each other and used momentum to swing each other back into the ring. They ended up fighting the whole match, though. No matter what happened, Belair and Naomi were going at it to some degree.
1: Yeah, I, I gotta say, real quick, just if you fall on your back, that should count. I know the rule is two feet. Two feet. It, it's like it's like being down in football. Like if you're on your back, you're down. Like of all, like of all the saves they've done. This one, just this one didn't, this one, I didn't pop for this
0: one. Well, here's the, like in the NFL, right? It's two feet or like you can have an ass cheek down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a shin. Why can you have a shin, but it's two feet? Not, look, the way I feel, I think you make a good point. And I saw some people criticizing that as well. The rule is two feet. Yeah, no, it's fair. So, it's if, fair. That's the, so if that's the rule and they're abiding by the rule, that's not really a point of criticism for me. I guess you can kind of say it's getting ridiculous. And they don't need to do it every single Royal Rumble with Naomi in particular. But I understood it. I thought it was creative. No, in the yeah. rules,
1: it's fair. It's fair in the rules. I, I don't blame for that. I just, I have a problem with the rule. <laughs> That's
0: all. No, no. If you have a problem with the rule, it's fine. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so Lana comes in at 26. Alexa Bliss at 27 in Firefly Funhouse gear. Everyone ganged up on her, which was really funny. Because yeah. You know, she's like four foot 11 and like. Why are you ganging up on Alexa Bliss, especially (laughs) when she's not the Fiend yet, right? So they start doing the Fiend lights and the music. But right as Bliss was getting to the ropes and beginning to transform, Rhea Ripley was like, enough of this shit. I'm not dealing with that. (laughs) Tosses her out. I thought that was maybe unintentionally hysterical. I thought it was one of the best spots of the entire match. It, It was funny, but it made sense. It made it, it total was, sense. Is they don't
1: want the Fiend version of Alexa Bliss in the match. So you, you got it. And we had all worried about Bliss possibly winning another Fiend character in the mix for the title. Don't have to worry about that. They, 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 they
0: handled it. I think they handled it very well. Uh, so Ember Moon made a hot entrance at 28. Nia Jax entered at 29, teamed up with Baszler to eliminate a bunch of women, including Tamina, and then eliminated Baszler herself. That'll be interesting on Monday. Lana then dodged a charging Jax, and she got her revenge eliminating Nia Jax from the Royal Rumble. Natalia entered last, hugged her, and then eliminated Lana. So that leaves us with a final four of Natalia, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and Rhea Ripley. So right here, you picked Belair, correct? I did. So right here, we have the two people we picked. I think I picked Rhea Ripley, if all uh, memory serves. And we have Natalia getting thrown out right away. That leaves us, With Ripley, Belair, and Flair, which after Flair, I believe it was after Flair won the NXT Women's Championship, was a match they had in NXT. So now you're getting these three again. It was awesome. Ripley and Belair looked at each other. They're like, screw this older broad. We're going to get her out of here. They ganged up on Flair. Charlotte pointed to the sign, started brawling with Ripley. Ripley got Flair on the apron and then teamed with Belair to eliminate her. They used Flair in the Roman Reigns role here, which is what we were talking about earlier having the person at the end of the match that you assume WWE is going to want to push. We talked about it on the Ultimate Preview. I said, hey, dude, I, am, I do not put it past them, having Charlotte Flair win back-to-back years. Because you can't. Mm-hmm. Historically, you can't put it past them. But they had her in that role of the Roman Reigns, of the guy you just, the person you just don't want to win and you're worried about it. And they use that person to get the actual winner completely over so in this case, they got both of the finalists completely over. As I said, they team up to eliminate Flair. Um, then you have Ripley and Belair nearly l- eliminating each other, dangling from the bottom rope. They sit up on the ring apron and do this really cool, like respect move where they look at each other and say, and I think Ripley said, "Hold on, let's not get crazy here." Almost as like she was talking down a hostage situation. <laughs> let's not get crazy. Let's go back into the ring and wrestle. And the winner actually deserve it. So they roll back into the ring together like a standoff and they wrestle. They did some great work head to head, a ton of counters, including countering each other's finishers. And Belair eventually eliminates Ripley while setting the Women's Royal Rumble record for longest appearance at like 56 minutes, 47 seconds, maybe more. She also had the final three eliminations in the match. That was an absolutely incredible moment that would have set a live crowd into an absolute frenzy. The reception that live fans would have given for eliminating flair, and then those two women rolling back into the ring and staring off each other one-on-one would have blown the roof off any arena or just rung the speakers of any stadium in the country. The majority of this match, I thought, was relatively average. But the finish... Belair cutting that great babyface promo in the ring, the fireworks, it was fantastic. It was a star-making moment. The finish was absolute nails. Like I said, man, I just really wish fans were there to put it over the top. Ripley and Belair both would have been good choices to win this match, but Belair was built for this moment over the last couple of months, and she deserved it.
1: It it had to be Bianca Belair, and and I, I laid it out when you picked Rhea Ripley. I said, no because they have been building this with Bianca. If Rhea Ripley just pops back into the main roster and gets the spot, it's really going to set Bianca back. They had to pull the trigger now. And I didn't know if they were going to do it, especially when it got down to that final two. I was like, oh man, this is it. They're going to, they're going to think they made Rhea. I'm sorry. They're going to think they made Bianca by getting her this far, but they're going to go with the one they have higher hopes for. And that's Rhea Ripley. And they didn't. And especially after what happened on SmackDown it had worried me as well, but they, but they didn't. They, they, absolutely complete star making performance. This is what I wanted them to do at the Survivor Series when they instead went with the the whole Lana situation. It it, it was clear before relatively, but now it's 100%. She is a future face of the company. Bianca Belair can do everything that they want to do. Uh, She is incredibly fun. She's uh, authentic. She's a crazy athlete. She's a trash talker. She can do everything. And this was exactly what we, uh, what would people criticize the men's rumble for not being a lot of the times. And that is the, the star making moment or the beginning of a star making moment on the way to WrestleMania for a men's star. It's exactly what they did for Bianca here. 10 stars, 100 stars, whatever you want to call it. Uh,
0: this is perfect. Look, you know what the Silver King says? Sometimes predictable things are good. And this, this in particular? It really was. It was good shit. It got a brand new face of the company over you're right. She does have that future opportunity. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't go in that direction for the men. I mean, we talked about the guys being a little bit older, you know, on average. But there's so many people on WWE that are built up and able to fight in WrestleMania at any given time. They have so much opportunity to do it. Maybe in when you have the opportunity to put Edge over, you just kind of say, you know what? Let's put Edge over. This guy has been gone for a decade. We never thought he was going to wrestle again. He came back. It's like when Daniel Bryan recently came back. They put the title on him because you know what? You don't know how long Daniel Bryan's going to wrestle. So you got to give him that opportunity. Now, that's why I thought Daniel Bryan should have also won the Royal Rumble. But I get why they went with Edge and Bianca Belair, truly a no-brainer. I mean, it was the most predictable that we you know could have seen. Drew McIntyre last year was very predictable. Bianca Belair this year was incredibly predictable, but damn good. And again, even if you didn't like the match, the finish, the final four was so incredibly strong and so incredibly well done. They absolutely nailed it. Now we will talk momentarily about how this all plays forward to WrestleMania. But before we do, we have one more match. Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg for the WWE Championship. So I thought it was a little bit strange that Goldberg needed security to walk him to the ring when there were no fans. Uh, <laughs> but good, I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Yeah, it was pretty strange. <laughs> the the sword thing also with McIntyre in the entrance, I've I've grown to accept it, but there's a delay. Like he sticks it in the ground and has to wait, and then he pushes it in and the shit goes off. It, they got to have him start coming out later in the entrance. They got to do something. It, it just, it's weird. I had to say that right off the top, but okay, that's it. Ring announcements, the bell, ri- right before the bell's about to ring, McIntyre gives Goldberg a Glasgow kiss, hits him with a spear. Pretty surprising. Goldberg, they roll outside. Goldberg then throws McIntyre into the steel steps, spears him through the barricade as the referee calls for trainers. Chris, I'm assuming the same thought went through your mind. Even though I still believed McIntyre in that moment would win, in my brain, it was churning and it was man, they're giving McIntyre an excuse to lose the title. My thought was
1: they're going to not have the match and they're going to end up saving it for Mania or something like that. I, oh. But, I, but, but, but I, you're right. My God. <laughs> the questionable activity was afoot when they're emphasizing the bell has not rung yet. And he's holding those ribs. Yeah. He's
0: selling those ribs. You know?
1: I'm like, oh, they're going to say you can't. They're going to say you can't fight. They're going to drag this out and this is what we're going to do. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, I, I had that. I had that concern.
0: Okay, so he gets in the ring. He's selling those ribs hard. He demands the referee ring the bell. He immediately counters a Goldberg spear with a boot and then hits the Claymore. But Goldberg kicks out right at two, almost like 1.75. Goldberg then dodged a second Claymore and McIntyre kicked out of both a spear and an awful jackhammer. Not the worst jackhammer. We saw that recently at Blood Money in the Sand, but a very bad jackhammer. Basically, McIntyre. What'd you say? It was basically just a suplex. Oh, uh, basically. Yeah, but at least he got him up. Like you said, dropped him. <laughs> he dropped him. He almost dropped him. It was just, oh my god. It,
1: it, it uh, was. It was. He over. He over
0: uh, rotated, but at least he got him up on like the Undertaker. It was. He, it was terrible. Uh, McIntyre dodged a third spear. Goldberg went through the middle turnbuckle into the post, and McIntyre waited. As I think Goldberg was legit winded or hurt or something. Because the camera was right on Drew McIntyre's face for like 20 seconds. Uh, but he's waiting and waiting and waiting. Goldberg finally pulls himself out of the corner. McIntyre hits a third Claymore, gets the win. Goldberg looks at him face to face, says McIntyre passed the test and deserved to be champion, and then gave him a hug. Goldberg was either selling really strong and really believably, or he was so gassed and injured after the match That it was concerning to see him because he was unable to gather himself. Like he, I don't know if you noticed, he couldn't roll out of the ring. He like fell to his knees. And then he starts walking to the back and fell down. I don't know what happened with Goldberg, but it really seemed like for the second time in a match, the other time with The Undertaker, as you mentioned, he was in bad shape afterward, whether it's only health and his ability to just go or that he actually got hurt during the match.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know like you said when the, when the camera was focused on him not not sure. It it could have been one or the other. He still looks like you know 900 He looks like Goldberg. He yeah. lo- he still looks like 900,000 bucks. I won't say a million bucks. It was a little bit of maybe tread uh, on, on the on the on the waist, but shoot, you know, I I still like seeing Goldberg and this is exactly what oh, I don't This is exactly what it needed to be. I said the moment this feud started I said they're going to have McIntyre win as a way to prop him up heading into WrestleMania, get him a win over a legend. I know everybody was scared and I got why. But this is exactly what I thought they were going to do. They did it. They have Goldberg give him the extra little push at the end and, and onward we go. I don't know if we'll ever see Goldberg again, but I didn't mind seeing him over this last month, although got the, whole, the I- whole feud was a mess. You can't from the, say that you. From didn't the mind seeing him. you, you cannot the, say. I like seeing him outside of the match. I like seeing him outside of the outside of the actual match happening. Like, I guess he, I, I guess I like visibly seeing him. I don't mind seeing him. I like I like his. I like him in interviews. I generally like him in promos oh. when he remembers what he's trying to say. Uh, but you know, no more just, Goldberg. The matches are a joke. They immediately go into spamming finishers and you know they don't even they don't even pretend to like start off with a minute or two of actual wrestling get a guy in the corner and punch him a little bit they're just going right to it they're not even putting in the effort of pretending it's a real match and that's maybe you can't do anything more with him with that but uh yeah if
0: you want to if you want to put Goldberg on WWE TV this is what he can do do nothing, do nothing. <laughs> he can do nothing put him on there let him sit somewhere i don't mind seeing goldberg i am done watching goldberg wrestle like if the, he he was not terrible here, right? Like this match and the Brock Lesnar match at WrestleMania, totally acceptable. Brock match okay. was great. Brock the, the, Brock, the Brock match was fantastic. Yeah, no question. But he is done. He yeah, just yeah. can't go anymore. And I, I get it. He's make It's not his fault. If Vince is willing to pay for that, then Goldberg showing up. I, I'm not blaming him. But my God, he's done. And Vince, he probably booked this because he thought beating Goldberg this way would make Drew McIntyre. Yep, exactly. Especially with him kicking out of the jackhammer. Did it hurt Drew? Probably not. But it didn't help him as much as beating a legitimate contender would have. I would have much rather seen him go back up against AJ Styles or see him go up against Bobby Lashley again or bring Braun Strowman back and have Drew McIntyre beat Braun Strowman. I would have rather have seen any of those then Goldberg in this convoluted, garbage, piece of shit storyline. For a big four pay-per-view title match, this was a waste of time. We lucked out by there not being a title change or some other BS. And that's positive. But we shouldn't have to hope for something not to be awful. I went into this not thinking it would be good. I went into it hoping it wouldn't be terrible. Goldberg should never be in another title match. Yes. I'm just happy this started the show. We were able to almost like sanitize our hands and then just move on with the rest of the pay-per-view.
1: Well, I'll say this. Starting that starting the show with that match had me very concerned that Goldberg might come out and win the rumble. But by giving yeah, some people time to recover, that, that that went through my head too. Um, just being paranoid. But you know, Drew Drew did not gain anything from this. No. But part of that is because there was no story. They botched the beginning of the story with the promo situation. Then Drew gets COVID and he's out. And there was just no chance to ever tell the story. So, no, he didn't get anything from it. Maybe he maybe he wouldn't have gotten anything from it. But with the way it played out,
0: there was no chance that he was going to get
1: anything out of it.
0: I mean, I just I was concerned. Let me just put it that way. I knew they wouldn't because WWE, you know, as much as they they love Drew. That's the thing. As much as we crap on Raw, they have made Drew McIntyre into a main event, top tier, company face, baby face. And you can't sacrifice him to Goldberg. You just can't. He's not the Fiend. You know what I mean? Like, the Fiend, I didn't like that either, but at least it was like, it's just the Fiend. (laughs) You know, ultimately Mm -hmm. this is Drew freaking McIntyre at this point and you can't do it. But that's the card. That's the 2021 Royal Rumble. Now we need to talk about the road to WrestleMania 37. And we will get into much greater detail in that on Tuesday's podcast, where we break down some Strangler stuff from SmackDown, everything that happens on the Raw after the Royal Rumble. But as a prelude to that episode coming up on Tuesday, Chris, I want some first blush thoughts here on what we think is going are going to be the four major matches at WrestleMania 37, involving the world titles for both brands. Let's start with the women. Over on the women's side, I just don't really see a reason why you would ever have Bianca Belair go and challenge for the Raw Women's Championship. It doesn't make a shred of sense for her to challenge Asuka when you have Sasha Banks there, when Belair is brand new to the SmackDown brand. There's not an unbalanced amount of talent. So for me, I have... Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. And then going over to Raw, I do think Charlotte Flair gets into a title match. I believe we will have a triple threat, Asuka versus Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship. Those are the women's matches I'm expecting for WrestleMania. What about you?
1: Same thing. My, my only other thought was possibly Asuka dropping the title before then in, in two uh, a Charlotte, maybe, and then doing Charlotte Rhea again. The rematch
0: uh, that we didn't get. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, or we
0: got it, but not in front of fans. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and so the, 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 the Bianca Sasha thing, yeah, makes total sense. It's not going to main event, but that's a match that could main event the show. Uh, I imagine they'll main event each day with, with the men's matches. Um, yeah. So I, I
0: basically see the same thing playing out, I think. By the way, it's going We're do something crazy hit me. Bianca Belair is two years older than Sasha Banks. (laughs) Yeah, Bianca Belair is 31. Sasha Banks is 29. That's the thing, again, with the ages, is
1: that we don't really, especially with the newer people, we don't have that kind of context. NXT is is not made up of people in their early 20s. No, it's It's not. A a lot of people
0: who have been wrestling for a while. Well, in in Belair's case, she wasn't wrestling at all. They found her, developed her into it. It's just crazy. Average age between the two of them, 30 years old. And yeah, it won't. It certainly won't. But it could main event to WrestleMania. And even if it doesn't now, four years from now, it most certainly could main event to WrestleMania. That's how good both of them are. But the, the women were aligned on. The men, it's really interesting. And again, we're just going to do first blush. We won't get into too much of a debate or argument about it. We will continue this conversation on Tuesday. But the what I'm seeing from a lot of people coming out of this, a ton of people who messaged us? I mean, I could really go through all of the names. Uh, here's a couple of them: Brian Devell at the Blue Ribbons. I think we also had Jason Cannon, I Jason Pro at I Jason Pro say the same thing. Um, Tristan Atalano at Atalano underscore Tristan said the same thing. It everyone thinks Edge is going to be fighting Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and I have to say. I just don't believe that to be the case. Me neither. Not first blush. Uh, People are thinking spear versus spear, but what we just... And face versus heel. Yeah, and face versus heel. It would be face versus heel. But what we have been talking about on this podcast for at least a month is the bevy of challengers that Roman Reigns legitimately already has on SmackDown. And they just added another one in Seth Rollins. To me... That says we're going to get an Elimination Chamber match, and very simply, the winner of that Elimination Chamber match will fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I think it'll be Daniel Bryan still. I will be a little bit sour that they didn't have him win the Royal Rumble, if that's the booking that they ultimately give them, because it would, you're, again, you're taking a perfect storyline and making it a little less than perfect unnecessarily. But I see no issue whatsoever with Drew McIntyre versus Edge if they can extract Randy Orton from this fiend feud, I think you could also have a triple threat match there where you have Orton and Edge and McIntyre all combined into one. But some people are saying, hey, well, you've talked about Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. So why don't you do that? And then you do Edge against Roman Reigns. I just, I think it would be great. The promos would be incredible between Edge and Roman Reigns. I just don't see the storyline. Spear versus Spear is not a (laughs) storyline. No,
1: no, not like that time Kevin Nash was banned from doing the power bomb or something like that. Uh, No, I, I think McIntyre versus Edge also follows the storyline they're attempting to tell with the Goldberg deal, which is Drew McIntyre beating former legends as a way to prop himself up. Um, The one thing I'll say, though, is that with the way we both see it going, we don't need to get too far down the road, but it's just, it goes, it plays into my thinking, which is, do, do we end up having both men's champions retain at WrestleMania and not have a title chance? Does Roman beat Dan O'Brien and Drew beat Edge? Maybe Edge wins. I don't know. I guess you could, and it would make sense. I don't really I see- I would
0: book Edge over McIntyre.
1: You could do that, but, but I, at first blush, my thought is, well, I, I, would, I would have both the champs favored if that was the way it played out. But it, it's also the way I see it happening. I think it's definitely going to be Edge, Drew McIntyre, and and um, Roman versus a lot of people.
0: Hopefully, hopefully, Dan and Brian. They could very well hold off this Fiend deal for a long time, mm-hmm. and have Orton somehow beat McIntyre for the title. They could do a scenario Ugh. where they could do a scenario where they put McIntyre in the Elimination Chamber, and just have Orton win the Elimination Chamber without pinning McIntyre. McIntyre gets eliminated somehow. You know, I don't know. You figure it out in kayfabe. Orton comes out of there with the title. And you get Orton Edge. So I could see that being plausible. I don't know the answer. And I don't want to spend more time talking about it because I do want everyone to listen to our Tuesday episode where we will go into more detail on the road to WrestleMania 37. But I did want to give a little bit of a preview in that as far as the Royal Royal Rumble winners go, I think they stick on their respective brands. That's the biggest key. Do you agree with that? Yep, exactly. It's it's another reason I don't expect to to change. All right. Well, I did go through and read a lot of your tweets and and DMs. I didn't want to bog down the show too much just because we did have so much to talk about. But what we do need to do before we get out of here is talk about the post-show grade for the 2021 Royal Rumble. Now, if you remember, we were talking about the pre-show grade where 87% of you said an A or B, 37% saying A, 50% saying B. And when we get into the post show, it ain't that different, folks. 36.3% of you said this was an A Royal Rumble. 53.4% said it was a B, with 8.3% saying C, and 2% saying DRF. Again, this 2%, (laughs) I I don't get you. like. You can think it's a C. I'm not going to criticize you if you think it's a C. It was not a D or an F show. So uh, ahead, 87% in the pre-show. We're looking at 90% saying A or B. It's almost identical. So Mm -hmm. what that means is that the Royal Rumble delivered to expectation. And I think that is the perfect way to describe it. Uh, There were enough mistakes and, and sloppiness and weird things during the show for me personally, Chris, that I can't give it an A, but I will let you go ahead and go first. What is your grade for the Royal Rumble? Yeah, I'm going B plus.
1: It, it would have been a minus or an A if they had gotten the end of the Roman KO fight right. If they had not missed a couple of the key moments in the Rumbles, there was, there was nothing on the show that I didn't like, and I was really happy with the two Rumble winners, which is a big part of the show. I think that's why the, the grade from the from the listeners is so high. Uh but I, I think just a, a bit of the sloppiness and outside of Bianca winning in, in a couple of KO spots, nothing there wasn't anything else that really jumped out. There wasn't anything else in the rumbles that were like r- super memorable types of things. It, it's it's we got the right winners. Bianca moment was was special. Um, but I end up giving it a B plus that really easily could have turned into an A- minus if they just not had some of those mistakes that they don't typically make.
0: I agree with you that I think the ceiling of the show was an A-, minus, given the winners, given the booking and all of that. I'm going to go with a B for all the reasons I talked about, the ambiance. And this all factors in. This isn't nitpicking. It, it does matter. And it's not their fault. That Not having fans is not their fault. There's a pandemic going on right now. But it, it was strange to have a Royal Rumble given those circumstances. The... Correct. People want to mean, you know, I wanted Daniel Bryan to win the men's match, but I had no issue whatsoever with Edge winning Bianca Belair. The win, the end of that match was the highlight of the show. The Reigns Owens match was great and it had a chance to be spectacular. But again, the ending kind of botched it and ruined the whole thing. So I don't come out of the show thinking, man, that was so memorable. Whereas the last Royal Rumble, the men's match in particular. I will never forget that match. I've seen it Mm -hmm. four or five times in the last 12 months. That's how good, great, I should say, the Men's Royal Rumble match was last year. This year, it just didn't really have that. So for me, it is a flat B, which is above average, not bad. Uh, You get a couple things right with the production stuff and the sloppiness. You probably get a B plus and you book it a little bit better. You probably get an A minus or an A. I mean, Daniel Bryan wins the Men's Royal Rumble. It's an A show, most likely. But it was a B, and there's nothing wrong with that. A B is a very solid grade. I think that WWE tried to give us an A show. They tried yeah. to book it in a way in which fans would really pop and really be excited about it. And you have to appreciate that. It's not always the case where you get all clean finishes. They gave and us even what we they, wanted. They gave us what we wanted. They gave us what we wanted with Bianca Belair, they didn't give us exactly what we wanted with Edge, but they came really close and it was entertaining. And again, we don't know how things would have been different if Keith Lee was available or if Jey Uso was available or who knows what, what circumstances would have been like if WWE could have done every single thing it wanted to do. Maybe there was more to the Reigns-Owens match and they decided to go to the finish because the other thing took so long. We don't know. So it's tough to really go above and beyond and say it's an A show, but there's nothing wrong with a B. Another strong show. WWE has not given us a bad pay per view in at least ten months, right? Like, Probably. I don't think there's been a single show we've graded worse than a C plus or B minus since the in the entirety of this podcast. Basically, I, I think the last one. I don't know. The last one might have been Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank, or the show after that. One of those yeah, two. One of those. Yeah. But no, they've been on a good, a good,
1: solid run here of, of really enjoyable. Pay-per-views. And, and this show was long. This wasn't five, six hours long like past Royal Rumbles were. You know, I'm
0: really enjoying that these are not crazy long shows. It was a long show, though. It was one of the longer WWE pay-per-views we've had recently. It was. Even though it was just like over three hours. But most of them have yeah. been like two and a half.
1: Yeah. And the rumbles and the rumbles are both more than an hour. So it's, it's, it's bound to be the longer of the shows,
0: but right. And, and that's why having a short card was okay. And look, you know, we didn't talk about it really quick though. The bad bunny performance did nothing for me. Um, but, but I didn't mind it. Like I didn't find it offensive and the fact that he got involved was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised they had him just
1: perform like that. I figured they might've done some sort of music video type of thing instead, but. Oh, a schematic thing? That yeah, yeah, as opposed yeah. to playing in front of an empty stadium. But it's nitpicking. It's whatever. I don't really care either way.
0: No, you make a very good point, along with all the other good points that vintage Chris Vanini and the Silver King Adam Silverstein made during our instant analysis of the 2021 WWE Royal Rumble. I appreciate all of you listening to this show, either super late Sunday night slash early Monday morning. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Do not forget, we have that Shawn Michaels interview and the AEW NXT episode from last week for you to listen to. We will be back this Tuesday, one day after Monday Night Raw to basically kick off the road to WrestleMania 37, talk about some extra stuff from SmackDown and go over everything that happens on the Raw after the Royal Rumble. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at GettingOverCast. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review, and let us know how much you love this damn show. And do not forget to tell your friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors about your favorite wrestling podcast, Getting Over. So for Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, bidding you adieu. I have just three words left for you. Bye for now.